kind of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989. We had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all my fellow Sky Watchers listening on planet Earth and intergalactically wherever you may be. Thank you for tuning in tonight on Sky Watchers Radio right here live on psn-radio.com. Yes, indeed, we're back live, and we're on a whole new night. This is Tuesday night, guys. We're finally on a new time slot following the Zod Rider show. Shout-outs to him for putting on another fantastic show. And we're broadcasting live from Miami, Florida, in New Logic Studios. I'm Angel Espino. With me, as always, is my hetero radio life man over here, Alan Weiler, a.k.a. The Other Guy. How are you doing, Other Guy? I am doing amazingly amazing tonight. Uh, it has been a wonderful weekend. Uh, I didn't get to see anything except for sparklers and, you know, generic fireworks in the air. But in general, it's been an amazing weekend with everything that I had to deal with and take care of. Good times. With us, as always, is the other other guy, the one and only, the man who brings the news and brings the pain, Christopher J. Brown. What's up, buddy? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, too. I'm here with the new show, or the new time, uh-huh, the new uh-huh. day. I'm in now. I'm in my new house. and uh, A lot of new stuff happening for ready you. ready starting my new show. That's and right. So, um, yeah, we do. We've got all kinds of things. Oh, with my new cold, too, that decided to hit me last week. And uh, so, well, that's, that's where I'm at. But other than that, everything's uh, great with me. But you're a trooper. You're still here. Now I'm here's like a, my I, I, He's I, a trooper. I a question for you. What I think we should let the audience know why we shifted over from Wednesdays to Tuesdays, and you know, I mean, how many years have we been on on Wednesday? Well, we've been we were on for about a year and a half, almost two years, I think, on Wednesdays, uh, ten p.m. Originally on yeah. Tuesdays, though, right? Originally, yeah. we were Tuesdays at eleven o'clock. That is correct. We were originally at this time slot, so we're back to our original time slot. And the reason we moved is because now on Wednesday nights, uh, the Arizona Tramp himself, Swamp Gas Radio, is live on our old time slot. He won the battle. Remember, we we. Uh, called into his show and kind of uh, bombarded him on his show. Oh, and, just and, a little bit. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, he won, and he took the time slot. It's his. He's live now tomorrow night. So, guys, if you're going to listen in tomorrow thinking you're going to get Skywatchers or not, Skywatchers is here on Tuesday nights now. And uh, it's going to be fabulous. I, I love the 11 o'clock uh, time slot. I think it's going to be great for it's the a show. Great, it's a great it hour is. because of all the people we have from and across America and around the globe that are listening. It's just a good slot. 
It, it, it really is. And by the way, tonight we're, we're uh, missing uh, Crystal Storm, who's not going to be with us. Uh, she's uh, taking care of family issues and uh, having a good time with her mom, and uh, we wish her and her mom the best. Uh, hopefully they have a great time to this evening. And, uh, you know, that's the most important part of life, guys, being with your loved ones and your parents and uh, people that make you feel special. And, and alive. And alive, yeah. Um, if you guys want to call in tonight, our phone number doesn't change. It's the same number it's been for like the last two years, three years, 786-245-8127. We would love to hear from you. So if you guys want to call in and share your thoughts on what we're going to talk about tonight, by all means, we would love to hear from you, and we would love to get your participation on this show. That's what we do here. Skywatchers Radio is here for you. In fact, Alan, tell the audience what Skywatchers Radio is all about. Skywatchers Radio has been brought to you by the ufology industry. Whether it's fact, whether it's fiction, we're here to figure it out. Did and that if sound it's like fiction? A, is it what fact? Do, is it fiction? Yeah, but what, what do know, we do if it's fiction? If it's fiction, we call it Bat Squatch. Squatch. That's right. But if now, it's if factual, you don't know why that it's that we call it Bat Squatch, uh, Angel should be telling you which episode in our archives that you should listen to to understand why we call it Bat Squatch. Well, you have to go back a couple of years to really find out the uh, terminology of Bat Squatch. Yeah, uh, but it has... you you, you got to know what episode that is so you can tell everybody because that is the most flippin' hilarious episode <laughs> that we've ever had except for the Flat Earth guy. And I'm I'm bitter about that, by the way. Which the well, because, yeah, because uh, Angel I wasn't there. The flat Earth guy back on. Yeah, I wasn't there. That's when I had my little hiatus. I was dealing with my personal issues, um, and I wasn't around for that interview. And I would like to talk to the flat Earth. Guy I like Emmanuel. Emmanuel was, you know, he he was there with with the other guy, man, with all these tough yeah. questions. The other yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, he, he, he had. Was, he had some interesting answers, you know. You know, the problem is, is that he doesn't fly in airplanes to see the curvature. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a slight little glitch there. Um, I don't have all the answers of whether the Earth is flat or not. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, everybody always says, you know, the flat Earth is actually the same exact map as the UN uh, UN uh, flag, and I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty interesting. If if that's the real, real, real truth. You know? It is. It is. It's the same exact map. Which, well, that makes kind of leaves you scratching your head. Makes you wonder. You know, uh, look, I've seen a lot of stuff on the internet in the last uh, few months uh, dealing with the whole flat Earth uh, issue. And I, I'm not saying I 100 percent believe that there's a you know a flat Earth, but I am inclined to start saying, well, maybe, 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 maybe there's some truth to this. Uh, maybe, just maybe, there is. Uh, a flat Earth. I mean, we we've been lied to about everything, right? I mean, that's for sure, right? I mean, uh, everything is uh, one big hoax. Everything yeah, lost me there for lie. a second. There. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, no, I was saying that you know we've been lied to so much uh, when it comes to like everything across the board from with our government uh, over the last thirty years that you know the flat Earth. It could it could be it could centuries, be reality. Centuries. Well, for centuries, centuries yeah. Centuries. To us. Forever. The Va- you know, the Vatican has so many documents. The burning of the Library of Alexandria. I mean, come on. How much prehistory do we not know? I think maybe it's possible if the flat earth thing is true. What it really means is is that we're basically in a giant Petri dish. And yeah. someone's got a magnifying glass on us. Yeah, man. I'm thinking yeah, that is, uh, the I truly feel like an ant yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sad but true. Yeah, I'm just like you know what. Uh, I don't have any other answers. 
Um, but it is what it is, so there it is. Hey, look, I'll tell you this much. I would love to interview Emmanuel. Is his name right? Emmanuel? Emmanuel? No? I don't know, yep, but I yes, guess... Yes, it is. It's Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Do, do, I get, do I get to this crack of the joke that he's coming up a little short? Um, uh, no. No. Oh, no, no. Okay, fine. Sorry. I, 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 I tried. No um, jokes. Oh, no joke. Okay. On Manuel, despite the fact of his flat earth, uh, Emmanuel really has had, um, beyond that, really had an a, a amazing life in the way that he was he was brought up from, from where he was from in Africa to where Canada he is now. And uh, that there is a whole show in itself, just uh, the, the, him getting over there. Well, we'll try booking him up in the near future. But in the meantime, who is our guest tonight? Well, tonight we have a very interesting guest. Mr. Frank Sayer is going to be on the line, and uh, we're going to talk about the That's UFO. That's that Aztec guy, isn't he? Yes, the UFO crash, that Aztec. You know, I'm, I'm dying to talk to him because I do think there's some truth to that Aztec uh, crash, and I think he's researched it enough to where uh, this book means more than it's just a hoax, you know? Look, there's a lot of crashes that there's happened over the uh, decades that we don't know about. You know, we always talk about Roswell, right? Roswell's the big one, right? Yep, and it was the anniversary this past weekend. That's right. Yeah, it was the anniversary this past week. By the way, yep. happy belated 4th of July to everybody. Yes, yep. you You know, happy treasonous Britain's Day to you all. Yes, yes. And I say that as I look at the clock and it's 11-11. Wait, 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 wait. So we're, we're celebrating the Am exit, not the Brit exit? Correct. Okay. The so exit, we, I like that. That's right. We're celebrating the Am exit. All right. So, um, did anybody get to see anything besides fireworks in the sky? I if you have, did. by the way, listeners, please call in. I uh, actually I did, did too. I seen a drone fly over right over there shooting the fireworks. We took off late last night. Well, later when they were kind of going, and they had one right over going over the main part of the fireworks there, a drone. And then there was another drone. A couple of them. First, and we thought, oh wow, what could it be? But obviously, it was a drone. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Cool. That's what I seen. Well, I saw something and it was a bunch of balloons with fireworks. Oh. It was pretty cool. Aww. Oh, well. The fireworks were blowing up and the balloons were blowing up. It's pretty. It was pretty epic. All right. So since we didn't see anything, uh, Chris, was there anything in the news? Yes, okay. there are crickets. The- crickets. No. Yeah, what? I was like, wow, that was <laughs> a really bad dead pause there. Mm-hmm. No, we can't me a bad time. Oh, you're well, you're you eating? What are you, what are you eating? There? We're on air. No, Dude, not, you're eating. No, I will not. I don't have anything in my mouth. No, I don't, Were you no. yawning? Yes, I was eating. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. If you I don't bring eating. enough for the whole class, you can't have yourself. That is correct. Well, so I, what do we I, have? Uh, what do we have first on the wall of weird here? The wall of weird. Well, you know, I I'm getting to that because the fact of uh, that. Well, I kind of wasn't really prepared. Of aha, aha, aha. Uh, not ready, not prepared. I'm ready. I have them all. I just didn't have them all <laughs> ready for chat. Right. Well, there's okay. one I just posted there. We can go over this one real quick. Then uh, it, it keeps with the whole Fourth of July thing. Fourth um, of July UFOs in New York. You saw. You guys saw this article on uh, New Times. No, I haven't. No. Uh, hang on, well, let me it, click on it's, it. It's linked right there, and I already posted it on our Facebook page. If you guys uh-huh. want to read along, go to facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. And this is here, uh, given that we celebrate Independence Day this weekend, which we did, 
I thought a few charts of about the 4th of July UFOs in New York would be fun. And if you go to uh, the link that I provided there, it shows a graph with all the, oh, uh, that's, the sightings. That's not news. That's just a test X. Right, right. But look at look at the statistics as they've gone up over the years, over the mm-hmm. last 15 years in New York City on the 4th of July. Now, do you think that these statistics, as we're looking at the graph here, as they skyrocketed up to 35 in um, 2015, do you think some of this has to do with drone technology? Hmm? I think that might be a factor, absolutely. Okay. I, al- I also think that the more right, cameras I, I there are and... You know, the more cell phones that have cameras there are that are halfway decent, uh, the more stuff is being caught, whatever the phenomena is. Whether it's, you know, mist, whether it's swamp gas, whether it's real, whether it's solid or whatever. Yeah, I could see that also. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. But it's funny that they, uh, if you look at the graph, it's like steadily rising every year. One, three, one, one, two. Oh, 06 and 07, not many sightings. Of zero and zero. No, uh-uh. Uh-uh. 4, 8, 16, 13, 17, 15. It just, it spiked from like 1 or 2 to like 16. It's almost overnight. It was, it's crazy. Yeah, that's a little bit creepy. Yeah, so some New York UFO researchers were intrigued and asked if the sightings were uh, evenly distributed across the state. As it turns out, 78% of uh, 4th of July UFO sightings occurred in only 10 of New York's 62 counties as evidence of, of the charts. Uh, it says here all the counties uh, shown are known to be high UFO sighting counties. The uh, remaining 22% of sightings were likely sprinkled across the state. And then you look at some of the other um, sighting areas like uh, Suffolk, Nassau, uh, New York, Erie, Monroe. Hmm. Interesting, right. interesting stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, here's by the way, when you're done with that, um, I want to jump finished. to this last. Okay, take a look at what I sent you in for about Alaska, that actually got caught on video um, over on the second of the month. That's actually really, really interesting. Uh, some Alaska? objects were caught. Oh, I see it. Here. Yeah, okay. Fairbanks, Alaska. Yeah. Let's put that. Let's put that up uh, for everybody to see. Not to mention there was stuff caught in Arizona on the same video. Um, you know, these guys look around. You know, these guys are all over the internet. They got great followers. Um, you know, Security and Ten shout outs to them. I don't know. I haven't seen anything that really qualifies as CGI in my eyes from these guys so far. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping this is legit stuff. So. Um, I'll take your opinions. What do yeah, you, you know, think? I have a hard time believing stuff that I see on YouTube these days. Um, I'd like to actually interview some of the guys from security teams to see where exactly they're getting their footage. It was really just okay. people sending it, sending it in or how they're getting their hands on these footages, you know, these because they have a lot of videos, and you would think with the, these that many videos they put I on there. Where are they? Because it's like everybody knows, the first, like, you know, the first thing, where do I go to report it? The first thing they do is if they go on YouTube, they have a video, or they go and they report it to, like, move on and throw, throw it to them. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, MUFON you know, is like the number one place. Pop out and do that. Yeah, I know it is. Yeah, it but is, is MUFON the? Right yeah, but the real question is: Is MUFON the first place people go to still? With with YouTube and yeah. googling I think, things, I, I, is I think MUFON really, still? I, I think YouTube's the first one, believe it or not. So, I think that that might be a better answer. By the way, right. if you don't want to even talk about this, tell me what you think about the other link that I put up about the images that are coming out of the Mars rovers that they're actually looking at that have some really interesting anomalies on. 
I don't know why I'm fascinated with Mars. I just think, you know, I think there's more there than we know. And I think we've been there, you know, for a while. Um, but that's just my opinion. I do you believe, say do you believe Andrew Basaggio when he says that there's a jump room to Mars and we're no, on Mars I, all the I, time? Do you believe that? I, I, think there, I think that there's been a breakaway civilization on Mars for a uh, couple of decades already. I honestly believe that. I, I can think, believe that. Uh, I can see that. I, I, you know, I remember that uh, BBC um, BBC thing called... You don't believe in the whole Matt, Matt, Matt Damon scenario, you know, on, on the Martian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't Matt think Damon. he's the only one there. I think there's, you know... You know, they're finding really interesting anomalies, and it looks like they're finding life on Mars. Uh, they just shot a worm moving, you know, across the Mars, you know, terrain, as well as, you know, other objects and possibly humanoids um, at a distance. So I'm thinking that, you know... See, I've seen some of the there? humanoid stuff. I've seen some of the humanoid stuff, and it doesn't really convince me because it looks like a pile of rocks for the most part. Yeah, I um, know. Yeah, it doesn't really well, none of that really has convinced me much. But I will say this: I do think there's life on Mars. I don't think it's just worms. I think there's intelligent life on Mars. I think I most think of it is underground. Life as well, too. I, I think it's I, underground, I, though. I, I think there's I surface think that, I'm lead possibly, towards There could be there could be some hordas there. There could be some gorm or uh, you so know, know I, Star Trek Gorm's on a whole other planet. So. Yeah, yeah, horda, yeah, horda, could be the horda. You never horda, know. What, what yeah, did you yeah. say? What did you call us? The Horta. The Horta. Don't the, Horta. You that's the Horta? That's the, Hort- that's the, the- giant pizza, the Sicilian pizza <laughs> that Spock mind-melded with. He mind-melded. That was going, that, that was like going through the on, on, Yeah, and it looked like some guy on all, all fours. They draped like this, uh, this looked like a, a towel or, or a big blanket or something over him. And he just went and he crawled. And they, they put a bunch of, like, plaster stuff on it to make it look like, oh, it's just some guy on his hands and knees crawling around. And, and what's, the name, what's the name again? The Horta. Okay, well, how do you spell it though? H O R T A. By the way, by the way, that's my mother's last name. Just letting you know. Hmm. Not kidding. Hmm. So did Spock mind meld? No, never mind. I'm not going to go there. You did. Yeah, don't, don't, go the, don't go there. I know where you're going. Don't you go did. there. <laughs> All right. All right. But I'm Sorry, my mind. This video right now, and it is very, you know, interesting. It just is. It's blurry, and the camera's moving around, and it. Well, they're know. doing different photo analysis. They're. They're changing the contrast, and you know there's some mechanical texture to some of these images. Uh, uh, Angel, did you put this up so that people that are listening can check it out on our Facebook site? I definitely will be doing that right now, actually. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't. I mean, these are coming straight off of the Mars rover images off the JPL servers. You really, really, really can't say, well, this has been photoshopped. Yeah, you unless, can. Yeah, you unless can. JPL did it first. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's that's what happens on these occasions. They get the images first. I mean, you don't think this is televised immediately after they receive the data. They go through this like a fine-tooth comb and make sure they wipe out anything they don't want us to see or I smudge think that it out. they've been missing stuff because they, they're well, getting so many images. Yeah, no, they, they probably have been missing some artifacts here and there, but I still haven't seen anything that really yells out at me, oh, there it is, that's a smoking gun. Like, I still haven't seen that on any of the... Well, no. what about yeah, some... It's... Go ahead. Go Nothing. Ahead. Just go ahead. I just yeah. was going to say it's the same thing on the Bigfoot thing. You know, you're kind of hitting out earlier. Everyone has a cell phone. Everyone has a camera and all that. Well, uh-huh. you know, the UFOs have, boom, exploded. And ever since this has gone on in more videos and this and that, I mean, the UFO industry has just gone off the roof. But the Bigfoot industry has completely just gone worse, I think. It's just gotten 
Any, any that's, of these uh, videos. That's, because, that's because Bobo is on TV. No, no, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm going to be doing t- uh, tomorrow a show, you know, I, I'm going to be on with, with uh, Weiss Frog. We're going to do have the great Butch Wachowski on, love Butch. And we'll talk about that because he's into Bigfoot and stuff like man, that. Man, for a guy who's sick, you're doing a lot of radio this week. I am because I'm a man and I just man it up. But you know what? <laughs> That's what you do. Except you know. Uh, you know, on Monday. What happened Monday, man? I don't know. We can go on about that and talk about Monday if you want. I don't know. <laughs> Ditto. Well, starting next Monday, you're gonna, next you, have a, you have a new gig now. Well, want to talk about gig? it real quick? I do. I have UFO in a knot next week with me and Jesse no, Randolph. Hold on, hold on. How did you how did you pronounce that name? Oh, Say it again. You get UFO in a knot. UFO knot. No, man, no. I'm gonna have to show oh, you how to say that into your own show. You're That's crazy. To show, yeah, well, you're gonna have to because I still was trying to figure out how to <laughs> pronounce UFO it. in the knot. UFO in the knot. No, no, no. it's okay. UFO knot. UFO knot. Like astronaut. No. UFO knot. UFO knot. Right, you for not radio. So staying out right. of this. All right. Well, I that's that's you for not, not is what I will now know and ever know and never change. It is you. No, you know the, the the crazy part about that is I'm teaching him how to say something in English. That's yeah. That's what's shocking me. That's why I'm shutting up. But I'm like, I'm gonna let this happen. However, it happens. I am so staying you out of this. You just gotta go with it. That's what you gotta do, man. You just gotta. I am it staying out. neutral. I am not gotta, getting involved. Gotta have. Those cajitos and just deal with it, man. Cajitos. Yeah. Cajitos. Go now. What the hell's a cajito? Those nards, them balls. Oh, the testicular fortitude. I got you. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And just deal with it. So, but anyway, on that, two more news and videos just because we have still a little bit more time. Uh, Ah, yes. What what time time is our guest coming in, by the way? Oh, and uh, the 30-minute mark, in about 10 minutes, we're going to get them on. Oh, okay, cool. Woohoo! Yes. Yeah. So if you will see, right under where you got your Alaska straightness was uh, a video that I had posted, a uh, post in chat. And I don't want to click it on, because if I click it on, then it'll start playing, and then everybody will hear it on me. Yes, uh, yes. Mute thyself. So, Is it the uh, yeah. Reactees video that's one we're talking about here? Reactus? Uh, yes, it's a one where it shows the orbs that are in the cornfield. Right, right, react. And, yeah. yeah, yep. And that was one that was very interesting. I was, I was like, wow, that looked, uh, very good. And I was, uh... That looks pretty real to me, yeah. I mean, I mean, it could be CGI, yeah. obviously, but it looks pretty, pretty well done. Here's the thing, uh, it doesn't shock me, because I've seen, uh, videos from the, you know, late 80s, early 90s, where CGI wasn't as prevalent and easy to do as it is now, uh, where I've seen orbs of light in cornfields or in, in fields where you would get uh, crop circles and stuff and you would, and there's a there's actually a few videos that show a crop being made by one of these balls of light uh the, it's become it's gone viral it went viral years ago it's an old video uh from england i believe and uh that could be well, very well what we're seeing here i mean there has to be a, a way that these things are making these crop circles if there are aliens making these crop circles and if it's not you know people with boards out there making these things uh i would say that yeah. this is a probably a pretty good way of them doing it by whatever these uh, balls of light are. I mean, energy balls, whatever these things are. I don't think they're little aliens flying those little orbs there. I mean, that, that'd be kind of surprised if that was the case. Uh, but maybe they're, maybe they are. Who knows? Who mm-hmm. knows? 
but it doesn't shock me to see something. Mm-hmm. It, it looks really uh, interesting, though. I, I would not call bat squash on that one. Yep, that I agree. It was uh, definitely a uh, one to sit there and and say if that's CGI, that's a heck of a job. So yeah, they did a pretty good job on that CGI. I'll tell you that yeah. much. And um, these other ones I'd gotten through a friend, and now they aren't wanting to pop up on my thing because they were sent kind of me privately. See, so All right. yeah, I don't understand that. So, I'm going to go to one here that I know is working, and I will send it right here. And this is the mysterious orb caught on video. Okay, let's take a look at that mysterious orb yeah. caught on video. Mysterious orb caught on video. Yeah, where, where are you going to send it? By the way, I send it in PS Chat right now, and then I'll send oh. it to on oh, the PS Chat. Okay, we got to go in there because yeah. I was looking in the other chat. Yeah, yeah. so I was, I, I was confused. I was confused. Sorry. There. Uh-huh. You're always I'm confused, sure. but you that's know, how, that's no. folks is how he brings the pain right there. That's how he do it. Pain. Uh, see, I, I don't know for what reason I can't take calls. For it. It's not allowing me Skype to take a phone call, so I'm getting a call uh, from uh, from uh, Arizona Tramp, who's calling me on his number instead of on his Skype. Why he's doing that, I have no idea. Just call me on Skype, dude. For whatever reason, it's not allowing me to take your phone call. I, I, just, I don't get yeah. it. You have Skype. Why? Why do you add him on in? Huh? Yeah, let's just add him. Just add him. All right, let's see what he's got to say. I'll see. Like if you put, if you call Wise Frog, your current call would be put on hold. What the heck? I don't know why Skype is doing that. I, I, I mean, I called you guys, so I have no idea. In fact, let me hang up on you, and I'm gonna get this call. I'm gonna call him, and then I'm gonna call you guys okay. back. So just stay on, just stay right. there, and I'll call both of you guys back. Uh, mm-hmm. Somehow I gotta fix this because we want to take calls, right, guys? Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Right. All right. All right. Just stay there. Let me see if I can fix this little uh, phone issue here. Uh, because it makes absolutely no sense that I can't take a darn phone call. So, let me see. No frog. i got to initiate the call first. Hold on. See, he's trying to call me as it is. And uh, let's see if I can get... Uh-oh. Now I can't make any phone calls. This is weird, man. Skype is just acting all kinds of weird these days, man. It's just not playing ball. I don't know what's going on. Let me see if I can get at least frog on the line. I have... Hey, buddy. Oh, because I'm hearing both of you. Oh, yeah? Because you got your speakers turned on. That's why. Okay. Okay. There you go. Yeah, for whatever reason, Skype wasn't okay, there it is. Okay. Yeah. There you are. Okay. Yeah, there I wasn't. We when yeah. you were calling earlier, I couldn't add the call. That's so why I wasn't picking up the call. It wasn't because I was trying to ignore you there, uh, Tramp. Well, I was using my Obama phone to call you. That's what the problem <laughs> is. I bet you ten to one they don't want me talking. The Obama phone. Yeah. Well, after oh. the, what happened today, oh. I got the Obama phone too. Dude, I'm gonna so talk about that on my show tomorrow night. I am what so happened today? Because I, I missed it. What happened? What happened? I missed it. I was Hillary I was. was they're not gonna indict her. She got away with it. Oh, I mean, like we didn't see that coming. Oh well, we knew it was going to come, but of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, now we that everybody hoping. knows it, you know, it's like, are you really going to let that happen? Of course, the and fix has been in course. for months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, these so are this is guys, how crooked people. This is how crooked people act, dude. I mean, this is exactly what they do. They uh, don't indict people that commit crimes. But you were talking about how I won this battle. What battle, man? You're the one that told me, oh, you know what? You get Wednesdays. <laughs> I didn't have hey, nothing to do with it. You made, you made threats, man. You were like, I want Wednesdays so bad. I did? When did well, I do this? In my mind, you did. 
Okay. Oh. <laughs> You're hearing things, man. You stay up for too long. You need sleep, buddy. No, sleep. <laughs> I, I'll get enough of that when I pass away, my friend. I'll be okay. <laughs> sleep is for the weak. We do not train to be weak at this dojo. Yeah, I hear you. Right, man. I'm no mercy. I'm no mercy. Man. You're claiming so, I'm not sick because I'm here manning it up. That's how. That's how we roll. So we're going to have a great show tomorrow. Yes, yes, and yes. Chris will be there, and I think Angel's going to be there at least in uh, in the background. Yep, and, I'll be there. And uh, y'all are going to want to tune in and listen to the Bigfoot stories and the Dogman stories and uh, mm-hmm. the the Lycan werewolf stories. I'm, dude, <laughs> I, I'm going to love this show. This is awesome. This is going to be great. Well, I want to talk about Lycans, but I can't talk about it just yet. But Angel knows what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty soon we'll talk about it, but not not right now. Uh, guys, no. we've got to take a commercial break in a, in a second here. Wise Frog, man, I, I was hoping you would have gotten in earlier, but unfortunately the uh, phone situation wasn't helping out. Uh, we have our, a great guest on with us. Uh, Frank Thayer is going to be on with us. Uh, do you want to stick yeah. around and, uh, and uh, join in the, in the conversation with Frank? Unfortunately, I have to go and take care of business and put the – I bet you she the grandbaby's still not asleep. i got to go and make sure she's in bed. So, uh, Go handle that grandpa duty. Yeah, I got grandpa yeah. duty, man. I do. I'm the only one here right now. So you got to have grandpa duties to take care of the baby duty. Yeah. <laughs> clean that baby so duty, wrong, but grandpa. Funny at the same time. Clean that. <laughs> you, clean that baby duty, grandpa. Go clean you, that baby you, duty. You had well. She's seven years old, so it's not cleaning up. But uh, you guys wow. have an awesome show, man, and I'll check it out. All right, bro. Thanks. Appreciate it. All Thank right, you, my friend. Bye. Thank you. Guys, we're going to be back in a few minutes here with our guest of the evening, Frank Thayer, and we're going to have a very lively discussion on the Aztec UFO crash of 86, his research, and uh, a lot of other things dealing dealing with ufology. So stick around. It's going to be a fun show. If you guys want to call in, open line 786-245-8127. We'll be right back on Skywatchers. in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. The UFOstore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to the UFOstore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and the UFOstore.com has it. 
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or... No. Holy <laughs> That was the... Yeah. Ten seconds of... Uh, no. What are you that tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. And I don't know if flying Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com The George Rodriguez Show Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes, that George Rodriguez What's he like? He's a short little Cuban feller, kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate.
All right, everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio, right here live again on PSN Radio. And Frank Thayer is currently a professor in the Department of Journalism and Mass Communications at New Mexico State University. He is a New Mexico native from Grand County, whose three degrees are all from NMSU. He has worked in New Mexico and in Canada as a reporter, photographer, editor, and advertising and public relations writer, as well as being a journalism educator in both countries. He has written three journalism textbooks, and he is currently teaching concentration in the public opinion and propaganda, reporting news, writing, and editing. Man, let me tell you, Frank, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks where, you know, we were going to have you on last week, and then we decided to change it to this week, I was bummed because I've been wanting to speak to you for a while, and it's such an honor to have you on the show here. Welcome to Skywatchers, my friend. Well, I'm, I've been looking forward to this uh, ever since we scheduled it, so I'm looking forward to a long and fruitful conversation. Definitely, definitely. Uh, give the audience a little bit of, of a background on how you got involved with uh, researching uh, this amazing case in 1986, the Aztec crash in, in Mexico. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about this. New Mexico, I should say. Well, where do we want to start? Do you want to start with how it came? You know, this book that we, the Aztec UFO incident, mm-hmm. is excellent because it goes through the whole thing. We know where the saucer was sighted. We right. know where it landed. We know what happened to it. We know who saw it. We know how it was recovered. And uh, if you want to start with how it happened, this is almost like a movie when you when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Here we have two cops in the lonely fastness of northwest New Mexico in 1948. And they're driving along. They see this this craft. Now, they've seen things in the sky before. They see this craft above their car wobbling and headed northwest. And they they decide they're going to follow it. And this is the middle of the night, four or five in the morning. And they're, they're driving along the road, no traffic. And at about 5.30, ahead of them, a rancher comes out of his place. He's a Bataan Death March uh, veteran, and he's going to feed his goats, 5.30. This big saucer comes over his ranch and heads north, and it runs right into the bluff, a cliff. But it doesn't stop it. It bounces up, goes over the, the mesa, and heads on north. He gets so excited, he he runs to a store where they have a 24-hour phone available because private phones are very rare in New Mexico in 1948. And he calls Albuquerque, Kirtland Air Force Base, and tells them what he's seen. And they say, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Thank you very much. And now this this saucer is getting closer to dawn now, closer to 5.36 o'clock. And it goes to a a mesa, which is a tabletop hill, uh, about 11 miles outside of the little town of Aztec, New Mexico. And it doesn't crash. It sets down. It's a controlled landing. And uh, it would have been, I assume that the Air Force knows where it is. They're looking for it. But this is a nest of oil company properties, thousands of oil wells, gas wells, and the oil company saw some smoldering brush, and they sent a couple of people out there uh, pre-dawn to see if there was any danger to the um, uh, 
to the oil drip tanks at the base of this mesa. They got there, and they went up on top of the hill, and they realized, well, there's no problem with the fire uh, getting to the bottom of the mesa, but some scrub was smoldering. Set the scene. Can you imagine? The sun is just barely ready to come up, and this brush is smoldering. you got smoke and mist, and on top of the mesa, there is a 100-foot diameter perfect circular disk with a dome on the top and a dome on the bottom, approximately 18 feet thick as its center. And these two guys, they're young guys, 18, 19, 20 years old. And one of the guys which who Scott Ramsey interviewed before his death, he gets up and walks around on this flying saucer. Uh, for him, he thought, well, maybe it's some Air Force thing that he didn't know anything about. Uh, but on the other hand, you and I have to admit that when we're 18, 19, 20 years old, mm-hmm. we do stuff that's crazy. Oh, definitely. We <laughs> definitely, definitely do stupid stuff, yeah. Hey, I'm 38, and I still do stupid stuff once in a while, yeah. so I understand, yeah. Now, it, yeah. It's funny, this happened in 1948. Um, it, it was right after the Roswell crash in 47. Uh, do you think it's connected at all to that crash in 47? Um, well, there's been a lot of dispute about this. And I grew up in New Mexico, and when I first when I learned about Aztec or Roswell in 1980, not in 1947, but in 1980 when the first mm-hmm. book came out, right. I I said, well, I'd heard of something about an Aztec crash, and I thought it was just a, a miscommunication that it was probably just Roswell, but I right. I did accept Roswell as being real, and it was on, only in two. 2004, 2005, that I stumbled on a book about the Aztec crash and Frank Scully's original Behind the Flying Saucers from 1950. So wow. uh, I, I think that I began to look at this and say, what if Aztec was real? And I wrote an essay. Um, the book I read beyond Frank Scully was um, William Steinman's a uh, UFO crash at Aztec, a well-kept right. secret. That came out it, in 86, right? Yeah. Yeah. And But nobody read it in 86. I didn't even know about it till about 2005. <laughs> right. And I've, I've read it 10 times since. And so here we have this, this thing landing. We have books written about it in the 1980s. Frank Scully's 1950 book was discredited. And all of a sudden we have a fellow named Scott Ramsey, who sells electric wire for winding generators. And he's out in the Four Corners area selling wire to wind on. There's a big generating station in the north, in the Four Corners there. And he hears these two guys talking. What are you going to do this weekend? Uh, I think we're going to go out and and hunt some deer. Oh, really? Where are you going? (laughs) Well, we're going to go out in, in Hart Canyon. Okay. Uh, can if you tell me where you're going to be, I might meet you out there. And says, well, I'm going to go out around the old crash site. And Scott Ramsey went over to talk. And said, what what is this crash site thing? And they filled him in and said, oh, there's an old folk tale that it was a a flying saucer landed on this mesa out there. And that's how Scott Ramsey found out about it. He he went out there. 
He looked around. He found where it supposedly happened. And that started 30 years of research, which cost him, by his estimation, he and his wife, Suzanne, close to a half million dollars in travel and research. And he's been to the crash site more than anybody living in Aztec has been to the crash site. Uh, but it's a very well-known wow. spot now. Now, question, have they done any uh, metal or metal uh, detection to see if they find any debris or, or pieces of the crash oh, yeah. itself? Oh, yeah. Okay. They they were out there. They had uh, Geiger counters. They had metal detectors. But this this particular crash was not a crash. The thing landed on the Mesa undamaged except for one tiny quarter-sized hole in a port. Now, it didn't look like Interesting. a port. You, you look at the dome on the top, and you can't see anything, but Doug Nolan, the witness, was up there, and he got close to the dome, and he saw this sort of circular thing, and it looked what he described as a mirrored sunglass, but there weren't mirrored sunglasses in 48, of course. Right, right. And he got up close, and he could see inside, and he saw what he thought were two bodies slumped over a console. But this hole, the size of a quarter, um, now, here are these guys, they're not worried about the danger. They they go down to the, the truck, they get a long pole, about an eight-foot-long pole. He gets up there, they begin poking this this rod through the little hole, and and they hit a couple of buttons on the other, inside the, the cabin. Now, you and I, well, all three of us have seen The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yes. Remember how the flying saucer opened up in that movie? Yep. That's yep. exactly what happened to this one. Oh, no kidding. It, it had no seams, oh. no rivets, no bolts, no, no, no nothing. And all of a sudden, it just opened up. And they could see two bodies slumped over the console. And there was apparently three levels, three levels to the, uh, the craft. And there were a total of 16 dead humanoids inside that craft uh they didn't touch the bodies until after the military arrived hmm. and but did they describe the bodies did they look human yes. humanoid yes. how did they describe them um frank scully described them first and okay. doug nolan uh who hadn't read frank scully's book uh had the same thing he said well they were about 38 to 42 inches tall they were all lined up outside the craft after the military arrived. They were wearing one-piece flight suits with metal buttons, no rank, no insignia, no nothing. They had heads that were slightly larger than human heads, eyes that appeared to be slightly larger, not much in the way of noses, not much in the way of ears, uh, a slit for a mouth. And in that sense, they resembled the Roswell aliens as described in some of the books we've read on on Roswell. Right. And so, but the scene, uh, and this is all contained. With Roswell, you have two sites. You have uh, people here, people there. Then you have the, the air base. But here, everything was on the Mesa. This one spot. And I've been there. I mean, it's there's a, a spot, a flat spot on that Mesa, big enough to accommodate a 100-foot saucer. No doubt about it. 
Frank, and, you know, uh, when you describe the aliens there, it really reminds me of uh, footage uh, that's on YouTube. And in fact, I just uh, linked it here on the Skype chat. You can check out the alien image. Uh, have you seen the uh, skinny Bob alien, Gray, from supposedly from the Roswell crash uh, or possibly from this, the uh, Aztec uh, crash? Uh, have you seen that video at all? No, I haven't seen that one. If you go right up to the Skype chat, you could you could press play and you could play it right there and you could see the the video. Obviously, it has no sound. I don't think so. You could just see the video, uh, but it looks very real. It looks very authentic. Uh, doesn't look like a CGI, even though it could be. Obviously, anything nowadays could be CGI. Uh, but it looks very organic looking. And uh, there's other footage that goes along with this, which uh, represents that time period, the 1940, late 40s, early 50s. Um, this is very close to what was described at Roswell, also, these these beings here. Um, the way they look, the way they're dressed, um, it actually, it's almost identical to the way you're describing them. Yeah, I, uh, I think that that's really something that we see similarities. And if it was all fictional, uh, nothing would make sense. And Correct. Yeah. Coming, coming back to our book, everything makes sense. All the witnesses say the same thing. All the sources that we've ever consulted tie in, and everything just works. Now, let me tell you, the the one thing that sold me on this in 2009, when Scott Ramsey contacted me, and uh, I think that uh, what he did was he saw my website frankthayer.net and I had an essay on, on Aztec that it might be real he contacted me and said you know uh, we're thinking of doing a book on Aztec and we want to know if you want to uh, be part of the project it took me about two minutes to say I'm in and I've been working <laughs> on it ever since and it, we're not done yet but here we have two witnesses two young guys didn't know each other they were both on the the Mesa that morning, and 50 years later, Scott Ramsey talks to both of them, and that was Ken Farley and Doug Noland, and they told Scott the identical story. There was up there, there were 16 bodies. There were 16 humans on the Mesa that morning before the Air Force arrived. There was a preacher, a Baptist preacher on the Mesa. There were two cops, you know. Remember those two cops we talked yep. about? Yep. They found their way to the Mesa by sunrise. Mm. And so uh, there they were. And the military arrived a couple hours later. They were on, obviously on the way. And uh, I, I think that they um, I, I think that they were just prepared. After Roswell, eight months after Roswell, I think they had their act together. They were ready for anything else that might happen. And they showed up. They separated everybody, they debriefed them, and told them, this is national security, you will never mm -hmm. speak of this the rest of your life, and they went from there. And the only person that we know that talked after this little chat they had with the Air Force was the preacher. The preacher. <laughs> and let, here's a guy... Um, he had a church in Mancos, Colorado, just north of the New Mexico border. But he was, lived in Aztec, and he's one of these guys who traveled around doing good, helping people. He taught English on the Navajo Reservation, and he was out that morning, and he saw all the dust trails leading down this dirt road, and he followed them to the Mesa. And when he got up there and saw it, 
the military asked him to say words over these dead bodies. Huh. Interesting. And, and he he said a prayer for these beings that they knew were not human. Right. And he went back to Colorado that night, and he called his deacon and his deacon's son to his house and to the house and said. I have to tell you this, and he told them the story of what he saw, and it was the deacon's son, Walt Sayer, who has since uh, passed on. Walt said, I was 12 years old that night, but I, I could never forget what he said, because that was the first time in my life I had seen a grown man cry. Wow. That's powerful, and this is something that would make a, especially that time period in his in his position. I mean, this is uh, life shattering to see this for a person in his position. I mean, uh, this changes the the paradigm of his entire life. So I can understand why he will get emotional over it. It's, a, it's an amazing yes. uh, thing to witness, uh, considering he works for the church. And 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 it's funny he's the one that's come forward and spoken I, about this. And but that was the only time he spoke of it. Apparently, yeah. he just talked to these his deacon and the deacon's son. You would but expect he, him to like to not say anything though at all. And it's amazing he came forward and said anything. Period. That's because uh, nobody else did. Right, right. Everybody right. else kept silent for most of their lives, uh, which is uh, I holding something like that as a secret is not good for your health. I don't think. Yeah. But it's, no way. But remember. That in 1948, there's a couple of things that were true. Number mm-hmm. one, most people, aside from little kids, believed that man was the only sentient being in the universe. Mm-hmm. And number two, we trusted the government. If they That's said right. national security, we're right with you because you won the biggest war that was ever waged, and and so on. That's uh, that's an excellent point to make, and it's funny, Frank, how uh, much things have changed with the government. Back then, the government would had full support of the public. Now we don't trust the government for anything at all. It's, it's no. like night and day different, completely different. By the way, I wanted to uh, tell you that that part of your bio, uh, there's something in there that I completely agree 100 percent with, uh, where you said that Roswell has been conclusively proved by Kevin Randall, Stan Friedman, and others. Uh, by the way, I've had. Both Kevin Randall and Stan Friedman on the show and interviewed them. They're fantastic human beings, and I love them to death. These are two of my heroes in ufology, along with Thomas Carey and Don Schmidt. These guys are just phenomenal oh, yeah. human beings. I've, I've met them all. And I've interviewed them all. And let me tell you, these guys are 100% accurate with their uh, with their information, and I agree with you 100%. They are definitely uh, the men that you want to look at if you want to prove that Roswell happened because their information is so yeah. on point. I mean, there's Yeah, no their perspective post. is dead on. It, it completely, especially Stan Freeman, who, look, Stan Freeman is a nuclear physicist, you know, he's he's not uh, somebody who would, you know, just put his reputation, I think, uh, on the line for something that is hokey or a hoax. Uh, so the fact that he has spent as much time over the years researching Roswell says a lot. But my thing is, uh, Frank, my question is, uh, how many other crashes around that time period do you think happened that we're not aware of besides the Roswell crash and the Aztec crash here in 48? Well, we're we're still learning about some. We've got we've got Roswell, Aztec, and I believe that both Roswell and Aztec are real. Oh, by the way, Kevin Randall uh, still thinks Aztec is a hoax. He has not been won over on that one. But oh, really? Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, we've got that. There is a story about a um, a crash. South of Socorro, in a place, little place called San Antonio, in 1945, 
that a couple of kids found a, a downed saucer just right uh, probably a little west of where the Trinity site atomic bomb test was, 1945, and little known. Then we have, um, of course, Socorro in 1964 with the landing and Lonnie Zamora. And, right. But there, yeah. There's also, and I haven't researched it, but we've heard about a crash near Santa Rosa, New Mexico, which is in the eastern part of the state uh, just before you get to the Texas border. And and that was in 1963. And I think, but there may be other incidents because in the 1940s and 1950s, New Mexico was the epicenter of technological development after the collapse of Germany. And Very you had true. the atomic yeah. bomb. You mm-hmm. had the laboratories that produced the atomic bomb at Los Alamos. Yep. You had White Sands Proving Ground which is 4,000 square miles of shooting V2s into the stratosphere. You had high-powered radar in northern part of the state, long before the distant early warning line was established in northern Canada. So uh, a lot of emanations coming out of New Mexico. Well, of course, Roswell Army Airfield, where the only atomic bomb wing in the in the world was stationed. So you figure if if you're coming from outside – that's a place you want to look. <laughs> no kidding. And it's funny, though. It, in a sense, it makes sense that they would be attracted to this area, especially if we're working on detonating bombs like you know, like we were back then and, and working on, the, on this technology. Uh, that maybe they were worried about what was going on. Uh, do you think that's why they started appearing so much in the 40s, 50s, and 60s? Well, yeah, I think that we've, we've sort of, from a human point of view, you say if if we were out there, that's what we'd be concerned about. That right. these prim- these primitives are are getting some some high powered weaponry. We better keep an eye on them. <laughs> but there's no way of gauging what these people. Uh, or yeah, these but we're in the beings. Stone Age compared to these people. Yeah, these beings. That's why they would be intrigued and curious of what we're doing down here. That or maybe some of this technology came from them directly and they're just overseeing some of this stuff. Um, that's a possibility also. I mean, you have to go back to Nazi Germany and uh, some of the stories that have circulated since then uh, that talk about Hitler having possible Nazi uh, UFOs, the Hanabu Project and, and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's the case, if they had any kind of connection with aliens back then and they had projects that dealt with UFOs, uh, it would completely make sense that in 47 or in 48, these crashes would happen if we're back engineering crafts or if we're working on technologies along with aliens and uh, maybe they're just overseeing stuff and accidentally crashes are happening because, you know, we're working on technology that's alien to us, pardon the the pun. Um, That's, of course, if you want to believe that, you know, the crash happened with human beings inside the saucer. That's not something that I particularly believe in because I do believe, uh, for example, Jesse Marceau, when he says that he saw bodies, I believe some of these people, the, the you know, the rancher that said they saw bodies and they looked like the gray aliens. I mean, I believe these folks. I don't think they have a reason to lie about what they saw, you know, especially Jesse Marcel Sr. There is no reason for that man to lie. He's a, he was a person who was very highly decorated. He knew his stuff. He knew what the difference between a weather balloon was and And I still uh, want to know what that paper said that he was holding in his hand. It said that there were bodies. There's they're, actually, they're working uh, on it. They're yeah. working on that. Yeah, and they've tell- decoded some of that. He was, he, I'm telling you, he was told to deny it all. Oh, of, of course, course. they all were. They, they all were. They, they had no choice. I mean, they're part of the program. They're part of the government. They, if the government tells you you have to deny it, you have to the deny it. The question is, hang on, hang on. The question is, was that the start of the program 
right there telling him to deny it, or was there already a program in place because something else happened before that? That is the that's a question. Right that's there. an interesting question. Uh-huh. Which I don't doubt it. Maybe uh, you know Kenneth Arnold was what a few years before the Roswell crash. Uh, that was forty seven. June right. of forty seven. Oh, it was a that's, few uh, a few months before, I guess. But there may have been others in the early forties. We've heard some mm-hmm. stories about like the Los Angeles incident in forty two, mm-hmm. and some things like that. Yeah, but, but that was a flyover, not a shootdown. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they but tried. Still- yeah. <laughs> do you think that's what happened to Roswell in, in, in Aztec here? Do you think it was uh, that we shot them down? We've talked about that. We can speculate, and that's about all we can do. There was a hole in the port. Now, this saucer was seen, or one like it, was seen over the gates of Los Alamos uh, before the landing. Uh, they, I don't know. They had all sorts of defensive weaponry, uh, Twenty. 25 cent piece could be a, a hole made by a 50 caliber anti-aircraft machine gun round who knows but uh, and the the crash at Roswell they say it was a storm but we don't know there's so much that was kept from from the public all we know is that there were crashes and there there have been other crashes uh, I've I really admire Frank Fashino and his shoot them down book uh, he was saying that the Sutton monster uh, at Flatwoods was um, was a shoot down actually, and it landed a damaged craft that was later rescued. But you have to have evidence for this stuff. And the thing about Aztec is, we have been able to nail it down. We know what happened. We know where it went. We know uh, what may have happened to it eventually, and and so on. And I think we've enjoyed the story because we have. We're able to talk to real live people who saw it, and and we have the description of it so clearly that and the bodies. This may have been probably the the most complete crash. Now let's go back to the X Files, the new series X Files. Oh Agent please, yep. you got to believe him. Mm-hmm. He says Aztec may have been more important. So. Uh, no, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. And how would it be more important? I mean, can you elaborate a little bit? My my feeling on that, if if we want to trust Mulder, is that this craft was complete. It was not damaged in any way, and so when they were able to take it apart and m- remove it to Los Alamos, they were able to reassemble it. And I think reverse engineering would have been a lot easier from that point of view than from the Roswell crash, which was uh, destroyed, essentially, blown apart. Wow, really? Interesting. What do you think, what, what's, your, what's your take on, and speaking of uh, the X-Files, what's your take on the fact that they, uh, in the X-Files, the reboot, uh, they made it like uh, the Roswell happened and everything else has been a government conspiracy based on lies that has nothing to do with aliens? Well, I think that the X-Files' success was tapping into people's cynicism about government and their cover-up of UFOs. Oh, yeah, we trust them, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we when you read the literature, going all the way back to Frank Scully's book and all the way through, and the thousands and thousands of sightings, you say, okay, I'm going to discount 80% of these sightings, just 
out of hand, just for fun. 20%, there's still hundreds and hundreds of sightings that have never been explained, and that includes landings, that includes contact, and if you ever met Travis Walton, Travis Walton, yep. his abduction in the Sitgraves Forest, uh, I believe it 100%. Yeah. That guy you know, is telling the truth. Frank, this is the third time Travis Walton comes up tonight. Uh, I had a conversation uh, with somebody <laughs> earlier today. Then I talked to uh, Alan over here about Travis, and now we bring him up. Travis, to me, is the one person in uh, in the entire abduction field or, or field of ufology that is an abductee, I should say, uh, that I believe 100%. Everything he said, I think, happened. I, I think that uh, he really was abducted. Um, I have no doubts about his story whatsoever. It's just it, his story is so bulletproof at this point because, uh, you know, there's concrete evidence that something happened. We know there was an investigation. We know the feds were involved. We know the sheriffs were involved. We know the lie detectors tests were taken. We know they passed these things. Uh, yes. I, I, his story is as concrete as there is. And if that one, just that one story, forget about every other story, if his story is true, then we know aliens exist and something else is going on that is beyond our imagination. Very good. Well put. And as I said in 1980, that all you need to prove is one case to establish the fact that there are flying saucers, that there are visitors coming from outer space. And Travis Walton, again, absolutely 100% right. And I don't I don't know that I believe all abduction stories, but Travis Walton, uh, I would bet on him. It's a hard time. one to yeah, it's a hard one to deny. Mm -hmm. I've had the pr the privilege and the honor to talk to Travis and interview him, and uh, let me tell you, th and thank you, Alan, thank you for that. Uh, he made it possible, by the way, Frank. He uh, knew Travis and uh, made the connection so we could have him on the show. Uh, but I'll tell you this much: uh, I have a very good BS detector. I could uh, talk to people and kind of know when they're kind of fibbing about stuff or when they're just not being genuine or, or authentic or truthful. And from the moment I got on the line with Travis and I started talking to him, before we even did the show, just having a friendly conversation with him on the side, you know, that had, you know just uh, to kind of like feel ourselves out so we, you know, get co we would be comfortable on the air. Um, just that conversation pre-show uh, made me feel like this person is authentic. This is a, a guy who's not lying. He's not trying to like convince me. He didn't go in there and give me like a a, a speech about what happened. He just very nonchalantly said, "Yeah, right. this is kind of what happened to me." And you know, and even the way he talks about his case, you can still tell that there's fear in him uh, because of what happened to him. He's still oh, afraid he, he's, of this. He's thing. still got PTSD. He's still of course over it. completely. In fact, you ask him now if you would you know go through this again, would you do it all over again? And he says, "No, no, no, thank." you know and i even asked him if you were abducted again would you come out with it publicly no i would never talk about it again why because he has gone through so much scrutiny over the years he's had so much uh, you know people try to tarnish and diminish his name that it really it's not worth it it really isn't to come out and to come forward and unfortunately that's something that a lot of abductees which are authentic abductees have had to face over the last uh, 50 years uh is that public scrutiny that public shame like there's something to be shameful about like he did something that was so horrifically bad the guy was just a logger who got abducted you know it wasn't his fault he wasn't out there looking for the thing it just kind of happened to him and uh and there's that truth that comes forward when you hear him that tone of voice that, that he has when he's telling his story i mean you can almost you don't have to be a lie detector or a, a, an expert in lie detector test to be able to feel that he is being authentic he is mm -hmm. uh, like i said the only person that i've ever interviewed that's uh, claimed to be an abductee that i believe 100 percent without uh, without any doubt whatsoever 
good. I think your listeners can take that to the bank. Yeah, guaranteed, guaranteed. Now, speaking of uh, of his case, uh, you know, the movie that came out and highly publicized what happened, and of course they fictionalized the the oh, actual alien part. Yeah, they completely fictionalized, completely butchered uh, what actually happened to him while he was on the oh, ship. Oh, sure. And they made it look like it was a nightmarish type of situation, which he really said wasn't. It wasn't that as scary as the movie made it out to be. Why do you think Hollywood is doing that? Especially now when you watch all these monster movies like Independence Day, uh, the new one that just came out. And a lot of these alien movies show us like the bad side of the aliens, where they're coming here to destroy us or kidnap us and wait, do all wait, kinds wait, of nasty things side? to us. E.T. E.T. was good. Yeah, yeah. But- he was yeah, just trying to go home. Was, yeah, but you don't know what. Hey, he got to but, try but, some research. His, it's on his way home too. Yeah, but his co-visitors like left him, and they didn't seem as friendly as ET. ET might have been the handicapped guy of the family. Uh, you know, <laughs> we don't know. That's cold-blooded. <laughs> was the poor but old you guy? Laughed. He just wasn't but, quick enough to get on that ship. Is all. That's, that's all right. it was. That's right. He had a limp. He, you know, he, you know, he. I don't, I don't know. You, you have no idea where you're going with that. But, Frank, back to my question before uh, we get derailed here by my co-host. Uh, why do you think that is? Why do you think that the, the, the media has made him out to be so evil and and bad? When I mean, that might not be the case all around, you know, when it comes oh, to aliens. It may not be. It's sort of the genre uh, that goes back to the beginning of the, the uh, even Buster Crab uh, way back when you had the aliens and Ming the Merciless and so on. But you're, I, I think that people find it difficult to relate to, to a, a race or races of beings that are alien, truly alien. Now, with the Aztec crash, according to Frank Scully, they found a parchment book, a book of, of, with hieroglyphics on it, of course. And apparently they've never been able to translate it. That's what we mean by alien. With, with Egyptian writing, we had the Rosetta Stone that allowed us to uh, to learn something about Egyptian language. But with a totally alien script, there's no key to opening that up. No matter how brilliant we are, we can't do that. Now, I'm let me put it this way. I'm an amateur herpetologist. I like to go out in the desert at night in my car, drive along the road, waiting for a snake to come out on the highway so I can get out and take a picture of it, pick it up, and and move it to the other side of the road. Okay? Now, our hero. Our hero. <laughs> There's a lot uh, more I, things you could do, be doing with your time that are much more constructive, but continue. Yeah, I, I just love rattlesnakes, <laughs> but the... The thing is that can, from the snake's point of view, what has happened to him? All of a sudden, there's some bright lights focus on him. Uh, a monster picks him up, uh, <laughs> flashes a flash unit at him, and some people don't leave them there. Some people put him in a bag and take him home and, and so on. So why can't the visitors be biologists? who are saying, we're going to experiment on these people. We're going to check them out. Uh, we're going to observe them and write learned papers on them. Uh, that uh, would make them not necessarily our friends and not necessarily our enemies, but their goals and their agenda 
is so different from ours that it would be threatening to us given our primitive outlook on life and and the way things are my biggest fear That's is that yeah. my biggest fear of the whole situation is, is that um you know they're taking us they're inspecting us making sure if we're trying to figure out if we're ripe or not for the picking and they're going to put us on their 4th of July barbecue yeah uh, How to serve men? The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Serving man. <laughs> Best, you know, is great a episode. great, great, great series. It truly is, really is. My biggest fear, and I think America's biggest fear, is that one day a, a giant mothership is going to land on the front house with our lawn, or the White House lawn, and uh, big, giant Native American-looking aliens are going to step out of the ship, and they're going to be like, "All right, America, your time's up. We're back." <laughs> and these guys are all like fifty foot tall, and uh, they're they're really mad. They're like, how oh, we the real Homeland Security? Yes, yes, yes. that would be terrible. Go. It was a nice run. It was run, a nice run, America, but it's over. You know, they're, but they're also also remember that I think that Earthlings, we Earthlings, we like the idea that there's a a superior race that can come straighten out our mess, and I I would expect that people, no matter how advanced they are from another true. galaxy yeah. or whatever, they probably have the the same conflicts and the same mm-hmm. uh, base Laws. motives. They have good guys and bad guys. Right. They've got criminals. They've got scientists, and that's just part of the game. And uh, I would say that things I've read that uh, there are people who are attacked by what they consider to be beings from outer space. Others, like these little guys in Aztec, they seemed to be harmless. They were all they were dead. They they had no weapons that they could find, and it's it becomes a puzzle that we still have not solved, and we have not solved it because we are not allowed to know the full spectrum of what it's all about. Well, here's think- the real question: Are they from outer space or inner space? That'll really throw that in. The or the mix. inner Earth. That, uh, well, that's what I mean by inner space. <laughs> I was, I was reading uh, today the old Gray Barker book. They knew too much about flying saucers, and uh, and he was talking about the Shaver mystery, which I only learned about in in the two thousands. Amazing, amazing stories. Yep. Uh, the. This guy Shaver had said there's an entire race of deeros under the earth in caverns, mm-hmm. and you go down there, you'll get zapped. And uh, people at that time in the 40s believed, you know, I think it could be real. And so, is there an inner earth? I I don't know. I I just know that if you if you try to Google the North Pole, you can't get it. Nor try the South Google Pole. Earth. You can't get or the, the North South Pole. Pole or the South Pole. That's right. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a famous image of the Earth uh, that's on Google. You could look at it where it actually shows what looks like an opening or kind of like the top of the North Pole is sunk in uh, where there's like a hole there, which uh, Admiral Byrd, when he flew over right. the uh, the pole, I mean, he said he saw an opening on the, on the North Pole. Um, that could very well be the inner the opening to the inner caverns of the planet. I don't believe the Earth is you know hollow inside per se. I don't think that's what's going on. But I do think there's areas within the Earth where 
pockets of life could flourish very easily, and uh, where they may have been there for millions and millions of years. Hey, heck, they had, may have been there before we even existed on this planet. For all we know, the Elohim that made us in their image under their likeness could be living under the earth the entire time, and they're not a god. They're just an alien race that created us in their image under their likeness, and okay. they've always been around. All right, here's the most important question. If we supposedly evolved from apes with no interference whatsoever, why are apes not evolving into us? <laughs> oh, I can Rush answer that. Lim even Rush Limbaugh did that one. Uh, yep. you know, I can actually it, answer that. I can answer that for you, though. Let me answer that Okay, quick, go yeah. for it. Go for because it. only a certain population of apes evolved, not all of them did. And only okay, a so certain amount were now genetically able another, to. Do you think by now at least one other population of them might have, over time, had the ability to evolve either to us or past us? Yeah. If they all you know, have maybe. the genetic markers for it? Maybe well, they all don't have the genetic markers for it. How do you know? Frank? I'm not, I'm not a great evolution guy. I think that there is uh, we adapt and grow, but I think that the arrival of Cro-Magnon man has never been explained. It was a sudden arrival in the midst of Neanderthal, and there is no no link provided from ape to Neanderthal to Cro-Magnon. I, I do think that there's the possibility that uh, we got planted, <laughs> and that didn't just yep. evolve. Okay, and, now how do we go from an how we go from like hunter gatherers to an agrarian society? How do we even even get the knowledge of that? How did how oh I, I I got monkey see monkey do. Okay, where was the first monkey that decided to plant a seed? Oh, there, there are esoteric stories about angelic beings, again, aliens, who Here came down and brought corn and showed mm -hmm. the primitive tribes how to, how to grow things. Mm -hmm. And I don't – that could have evolved over time. But the, the whole ancient aliens thing, which is a uh, – a paradigm. Uh, we had the first paradigm, which was spiritual creation. The second paradigm is blind evolution. And you know, I like the statement that was made that that human beings could evolve from slime mold. It's as possible as a tornado in a junkyard creating a fully functional Boeing 747. <laughs> the, and then you have the ancient aliens theory, which says, well, the Anunnaki came down and, and took these, uh, these primitive humans, gave them a little more intelligence and, and worked on their genetic structure so that they could do some, some work for them. Uh, I don't had know. To, had to be some type, there has to be some type of external source. Yes. Uh, I'm somewhere like, in the middle because I don't really buy the whole Anunnaki, um, Zechariah Sitchin explanation. Yeah. Just because I've interviewed Michael Heiser, who uh, debunked Sitchin uh, in his work, brilliantly, by the way, I might add. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way he explained how Sitchin was not only wrong on certain uh, definitions of words that he used when he was coming up with his definition for what happened or what these things were, uh, where he misinterpreted things. Uh, you know, Sitchin was never an actual scholar of language. He never he doesn't have a degree or didn't have a degree of any university. You can look that up. There was never a degree given to the man for, for any kind of language in or, or anything. Uh, Michael Heiser, on the other hand, is a language scholar. He knows the Hebrew language. He knows translation from Sumerian uh, to uh, to uh, into English. He understands the language, and mm. he debunked him in a, in a way that is 
not only brilliant, but it's completely um, made just uh, complete sense. I mean, he went on coast to coast and openly challenged Zachariah Sitchin to a debate, and Sitchin backed down and wouldn't debate him. That tells me everything right there that I need to know about this situation. Um, now, I don't put it past there being aliens in the past that uh, maybe were here before us. That's all possible. But I don't think there's a, a planet circling every 3,600 years that comes around the Earth that, and at one point destroyed one of the planets and still circles. Oh, yeah. Because if it crashed into a planet, how is that planet even still circling around 3,600 years later? It's impossible. It blew up also, right? Both of them would have blown up if it hit another planet. Well, it makes all actually, sense. And what you, you're doing there is confirming the idea that this is a paradigm, a theory – and all three of the theories have flaws. Correct. And, yep. Uh, but I, th- I think that we have we have yet to come up with the solution to this. Mm-hmm. The one thing we do know is that there have been craft from somewhere else landing on this planet and interacting sometimes with people and having and discovered by human beings and. This may have happened thousands of years ago, may have happened hundreds of years ago. Certainly it happened in 1947 and 48, and and probably – well, there's Kingman, Arizona too. I think it was 53. There's these things that there were flesh and blood people or things. There were metallic craft landed, and the American government got some. And they put them somewhere like Wright Patterson and Dayton, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and later on at uh, Area 51. But we're we're working on a theory, uh, not a theory, but a, there's a, a source we have who s- says we have to check him out. That he knows that the Aztec saucer was in Wright Patterson and Dayton in 1958. Stay tuned for that one if we can nail that one down. Oh wow. That'd be uh, an interesting, interesting. Uh, interesting uh, development. If that uh, comes to pass, please let us know. We'd love to uh, talk about it on the air. Oh yeah, we will. Yeah. That might be the basis for book number three. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> How many books have you written uh, to date, Frank? Two. Well, as far as flying saucer books, I've got the two. Right. The 2012 book, and then the the Aztec incident uh, recovery at Heart Canyon. Then this one, the Aztec UFO incident, which is selling pretty well, and I've, I really recommend it to your listeners. Uh, those are the two flying saucer books I've got. But if you look at my website, frankthayer.net, you'll find that I'm also a horror writer. I've got a, a one book out that I a Canadian-based trilogy. Uh, I've got I've done some other stuff as well. So I've I have an eclectic attitude toward life and but this aztec thing has been for the last six years seven years has taken a lot of my time and i so much admire scott ramsey's research abilities i've i've been a journalist but scott ramsey never lets go he will go anywhere in the united states to look to interview somebody he'll go to an archive he will never stop until he is satisfied that he has all the information to prove what he's going to write down that's the way you should be if you're a, a, yes. a real journalist or reporter so. or something yeah i completely completely agree um now what's your what fascinated you early on uh with ufology i mean what really was the first thing that caught your attention was it the aztec crash really was that or was it roswell which one was the one that really nailed you first 
Well, I think that I go back into the 50s and 60s when I was out of college uh, working here in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and I'm uh, the editor of a local paper. And I was I wrote some flying saucer stories. I talked to people here in town who had seen flying saucers or objects. And these were the, in the days of um, APRO with Coral Lorenzen. And there were, there were a lot of sightings in, in New Mexico at that time. And then I went, I went on, I went to Canada. I taught journalism in Canada for 11 years. And the Canadian attitude is much more matter of fact. They are, their newspapers publish UFO stories. Down here, I'm telling you, we don't publish those in the mainstream media. Mm. That doesn't mean they're not happening. It just means that they're not published. And I've, I know people in the Associated Press, and I asked one of the bureau managers, one of our graduates, saying, well, why don't you print UFO stories? And she did some changes. And, we don't know. We just told we don't, we don't cover that kind of stuff. The only <laughs> The only time you cover it is when there is a prosaic explanation that mm. you can put in with a smile. Mm. And so that, in, yeah. So in other words, if you that, could explain it away, then they'll cover it. That's correct. Mm. Now, before we go any further, let's remember the Robertson panel in 1953, mm. the Condon yep. Committee, both set up by the government, both designed to show there is no such thing as a flying saucer. The, the Robertson panel came after the, uh, the flyovers of the Capitol in 1952. And they had to, and you had good old Donald Menzel, and Frank Scully called him Little Menzel from Mars and, <laughs> uh, in his unpublished second book. And here he, Menzel came up with all the basic explanations for flying saucers, swamp gas, temperature inversion, weather balloons, Venus, all these things that you just pick one and it fits any sighting. And that's how it was done. But the Condon committee, Professor Condon said at the beginning, said, well, I know what my conclusion is going to be, but I have to take a year before I can reach it how much uh, of blue book do you think uh this uh how much do you think that played into um the conspiracy project blue book well blue blue book was essentially the public relations uh wing of the air force to handle ufo reports but the good reports never went to blue book they went to a higher headquarters and but blue book came up with, well, we can explain most of these things, and they are not, no threat to our security, nothing to see here, keep moving. So, yeah, that was, that was Blue Book right there, yeah. Nothing and, to see here, keep moving. Uh, but, actually, uh, you know, it, it, we're uh, about to be joined here on air by a, a caller uh, who's an abductee himself. Uh, Nathan, you're on the line. Uh, you've been listening in, I assume. Yes, I have. Now, what, what's your take on what we've been talking about here tonight? You know, it's it's a little frustrating at times when I hear people that are involved in the UFO community and, and you know, they wait for people to do research and get the answers from the people in the government. And my honest opinion is if you really want to know the truth, 
uh, you have to put the time and effort, just like a relationship with the person. If you want to experience extraterrestrials, anybody can. It's the fact that you have to put energy into something that you want out of it. Like how I mentioned prior, self-manifestation. It's all created within yourself. If you want to believe in that higher power, I don't feel that I'm an abductee. I'm a contactee, which is different because I've never been forced against my will in any of my contact experience, which separates them. Um, but the most important thing is if you want to have that type of contact, you have to put the willingness and the effort into that type of relationship if that's what you want. Oh, I'm um, with you 100%. I, I, I'm all for them. I mean, I, I'm all for getting the yes. uh, the contact uh, experience that uh, happened to me. In fact, I've said jokingly on the show before that they don't even have to knock me out with a death ray or, or knock me cold and then suck me through the walls with some beam. They can simply knock on my window, throw down a rope ladder from the UFO. I'll climb up. I'll go up to them because I'm, I'm here for you guys. I want to experience being on a ship. I, I have no fear whatsoever of aliens or the contact experience, uh, not because I, I'm Superman or because I'm tough, but because I have no fear of aliens because they're beings just like the rest of us. They're just different from other worlds. And it's something that it's an experience that not everybody gets to have. So I'm dying to have this experience. Hmm. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened yet. I, I would have to uh, contradict that. Everybody has the opportunity to have the contact. It's how open are you really going to be to get that contact. Some people are still going to be scared and frightened, and the whole purpose of it is they don't want to scare and frighten you. They want you to be ready when you're ready, and that depends on the individual, which is, is I was pretty important. born I ready, mean, Nathan, born ready. <laughs> what, is, what I could suggest to you is maybe focus some energy and time for yourself. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing that I could influence anybody in is taking the time for yourself to be ready for that experience. You can say that all day long, like you want to make contact and go into a ship. Well, you have to experience step by step in order to get to that, to that step. You know, I, I'm willing to do it. I really am. Uh, Nathan, do you have any questions for Frank before we let you go? Yeah, Frank. Um, you know, I appreciate um, you going out and doing research and, and doing books. I'm, in the process of creating a book myself. And uh, I think the most important thing is where you can reflect on a particular um, topic like ufology. Um, do you have any personal experience yourself in the matter as far as contact or seeing craft or anything like that that you put into your books of personal experience, or is it just based on facts and information from other individuals and in research? Okay, Nathan. Thank you very much. Um, I want to say that you are correct about the need to actually do um, research and do it as thoroughly as possible. That you're very right. Uh, I find that uh, I, you know, I have not seen anything that I would consider to be a a UFO aside from lights in the sky, and mm -hmm. so I have not had the experience you have had, and I am mainly an academic student. I've read the literature. I talk to people who have experience and we write this material and we try to make it available to a wide audience. So that's my angle. Um, Frank, one more other question. Have you had any experiences through a dream state 
with excellent say, question, extra, yeah. extraterrestrials. Uh, no, not alien contact. I think that probably just like the you guys, I have a rich dream life, and I think that perhaps my my dreams are uh, relate very often to my fiction writing. I'm I'm writing a, a a very long ghost story right now, so that that tends to intrude into my dreams. I I love fiction, I love horror fiction, but no, I have not had that, and I think that you are perhaps almost unique in in having that kind of contact experience. Mm. Well, see, a lot of people don't distinguish dream state contact as a form of contact. A lot of people will maybe discredit the notion or right. just kind of bypass it as a dream, which mm-hmm. that's not necessarily true. No. For me, in my experiences, ever since I was two years old, like I explained on a prior show, this has been productive in the sense that, for me, they have informed me that, you know, they have always been in my life, not in this life, but in several other lives that I've had. And... And that is something that we forget throughout our life cycles is mm-hmm. the relationship that we have. Now, granted, here's one thing that I find a little uh, kind of mixed wash is when you get people that have abduction scenarios where they have uh, a situation where it's what they consider to be negative, it's, it may not be negative at all. Um, it's all dependent on that person and how their how their mindset is. I mean, you look at a person that is positive thinking and they look at different avenues to have good in their life. Now, people bring upon what they are desiring to have in their lives, you know, if it's good mm-hmm. or bad. Mm-hmm. And, and that has a lot to do with abduction cases, I believe, too. Yeah, granted, some can be completely militaristic and there are good and bad ETs. I believe that 100%. However, the person has the ability to choose because it's self-choice and and their own will to encounter what they choose to have in their lives. Well, in that case, I'm going to end up seeing some xenomorphs from like the movie Aliens or something. (laughs) Jesus. You know, Nathan, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have you on as a guest here in uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, We're going to, you know, book you to be uh, a guest because your story is uh, fascinating. You know, the the stuff you've been through and stuff. And I'm with you where where people dismiss dreams. I'm one of those people that dismisses dreams as actual Mm -hmm. contactee uh, experience. I'm one of those people, unfortunately, I, I feel, uh, fall into that demographic because to me dreams are nothing but a hallucination um, or you know a different form of a hallucination um, and the reason I say that is because if that's the case then I've had dreams uh, where I've been uh, in contact with Yoda and all kinds of different creatures from movies and stuff and I don't think any of that is real so um, you know yeah. that's why I kind of dismiss the it. devil in my dream I don't think that was real you know what I'm saying but here's here's the yeah. thing and you're absolutely right on, on the fact that you said that uh, that not all uh, abduction cases are evil or and that not all people who are getting contacted are being contacted by evil aliens Travis Walton as we, as we spoke about earlier uh, after yeah. my interview with him I came you know to the 
conclusion that he doesn't feel his abduction case was a, an evil abduction. That he doesn't feel like he was taken and probed and, and robbed of his dignity. He even told me that, in a sense, he feels like maybe they saved his life, and that's why they took him on the ship, because he was exactly. knocked out by this beam of light, which was probably his own fault. He went up to this craft, right? He, he approached the craft. Maybe some defense mechanism just went off and zapped him, because that's what this thing does, not knowing that it was a human being. And then they saw, oh, oops, you know, this guy got hurt. Let's pick him up and save him. In fact, Travis made a perfectly great case for this being actually what happened uh, when he says that he hasn't been, he's rarely been sick since. He doesn't have any major illnesses. He, he's, he's in perfect health, in perfect condition. Um, and if you look at Travis, he looks a lot younger than what he really is. Um, I mean, yeah. he's he really is one of these people that kind of fits that paradigm where maybe not only they, they bring him back, they brought him back to life, but maybe they fix some things that might have been you know wrong in his DNA. And that to me says these are not evil aliens because if they were evil, they would just left them dead on the on the middle well, of the field. Well, at least that particular race, right? Isn't at least evil. that race. But he said I he wish saw the little grace and, and grow my hair back. <laughs> that, that right there is an impossibility, bro. That's an impossibility. See, that's one thing that you might that a lot of things get categorized in a specific race or species of an extraterrestrial. Right. Because because you could say, okay, all grays are bad, but that's not the case. I know that firsthand and foremost. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different species, even what you call the Draco reptilians. There are bad ones, there are good ones. There are people that you know, extraterrestrials being that they have one focus on one particular agenda, what you want to call it, or or outlook of what they want to achieve, and then there's others that think differently. But yep. you have to have that balance. It's like yin and yang. One mm-hmm. thing that I could recommend to anybody that wants to really seriously get into contact, there's a author by the name of Lisette Larkins, and I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she is a contactee as well, and she has a book. It's called Communicating with Extraterrestrials. It, gives you a guideline and step of how to properly do it and how to use all your senses to know what type of contact there is because there's so many different types. I mean, simply if you get uh, electromagnetic electromagnetic charge around your body and you feel pins and needles, that's not necessarily meaning that, you know, there's a high, high area in your home that has an electromagnetic discharge, that could also mean a form of contact. And it's how you're open to that and how you see those particular avenues and go in further with that and keep an open mind. And, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with listening to your own intuition or your soul and how it talks to you. I mean, that's it's not just a verbal communication that they're going to say, oh, I'm here. You have to use all your senses in order to kind of get that just of what's happening with you. Yep. I uh, completely agree. Nathan, thank you for calling in, buddy, and uh, we're going to be in contact so we can book you in the, in the near future for a full Sounds segment. great. Thanks All for right. calling in. You have a good one. You All too. Right. Bye-bye. His story, uh, Frank, is pretty incredible. I mean, he's had contact for many, many, many years, um, yep. and uh, he is very open to talk about it, as you just heard. Uh, he's not afraid of, of the contact uh, scenario that's happened to him or the abduction scenario, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, as I do more and more of these shows and I have talked to more and more people like Nathan, um, that's becoming more and more uh, of a, a normal thing to, to have uh, people come forward not afraid of what's happened to them hmm. and almost embrace the uh, contact scenario. 
Um, and it's not like, uh, you know, they're afraid of little gray guys running around. No, they're embracing the aspect that they were contacted. And uh, a lot of them have said that it's more of a positive uh, you know, th- thing that's happened to him. It's not so negative. Uh, it's not only Travis who's said it, uh, you know, Nathan and others have said it as well. In your research, I mean, uh, have you done a lot of research in abduction, and is that something that you've come across? Not really. I, th- I think that uh, we have been mainly concerned with the, the basics. The crashes, that, right. Uh, I think that we still have uh, a lot of ground to cover. Remember that in 1950, 33 only 33 percent of Americans said that flying saucers could possibly be real. Today, the majority mm. of people say that some uh, UFOs are extraterrestrial craft. And the more education you have, the more likely you are to accept that reality. Mm-hmm. With the exception of the overeducated, I find yes. that that That's the in, intellectuals in the in the academic field are lack a lot of common sense and they very often uh, don't have the ability to consider alternative explanations so and i'm i'm in the academy i'm i'm a professor and nobody at the university talks about ufos they just don't. You know, that happens, I think, because uh, a lot of scientists look at this, the vast diff- uh, distances between our galaxy and another galaxy or another star system, and it's such a huge distance that to them is like it's mathematically impossible that they're coming out here and uh, doing their research. My theory is that, you know, we're not only getting ships from maybe, uh, you know, light years away, but I think and I, I completely believe that we're going to find out pretty soon, uh, maybe within my lifetime, hopefully, maybe within our lifetime, everybody on this call, uh, we're going to find out that our solar system is teeming with intelligent life. I believe there's life on Mars. I believe there's life on other planets on our solar system, like Pluto. Yes, I said Pluto, a planet, or planetoid, whatever you want to call it. I think that a lot of this life is underground, subterranean uh, life. Uh, just because uh, we're surface dwellers doesn't mean that every other planet has to be surface, you know, surface beings. Also, uh, a lot of these beings, I believe, are going to be underground, and that's going to that's how we're going to find civilizations within our own solar system. And we're going to find out that you know we've been kind of uh, shielded from the reality of what's going on in our own solar system, in our own backyard, because we're still kind of like in that, you know, that infancy stage. We're, we're type zero civilization. We haven't evolved enough to be a type one civilization, as Michio Kaku said. And that is something I think we're going to eventually find out. And here's a, here's the kicker. I think when that happens, uh, I think it's going to be a complete change in the paradigm of the way we think, not only of space, but of ourselves and our solar system. Because now we're going to be able to say, well, you know, not only are we not alone, we have neighbors within our, our reach that are aliens within, you know, not that long of a distance where we could travel and meet these beings. And maybe we have already. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You never know. It may be. And I think that there's, uh, we're more uh, willing to accept interdimensional existence as well, which is, I I think shows that uh, the mental abilities of of humans is uh, getting a little better. The growth, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah we're, we're growing. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, it's funny. And, and actually, you know, speaking of uh, of science in general, uh, one, you know, brilliant mind uh, that sticks out always when it comes to these subjects is uh, Stephen Hawking. And when he said, uh, which is something I do not completely 100% agree with, but I can see his logic. Uh, I don't know if you you read what uh, Stephen Hawking has said about yes, contacting aliens, how we have to be careful because they could be, you know, not so friendly, and uh, look what happened to the Native Americans where white men landed on, on Plymouth Rock uh, and all that jazz that happened after that. Uh, yeah, there could be some truth to that, but my theory is if they wanted us dead, I think we would have been dead a long time ago. <laughs> you know Good what I point. mean? So, I, but it is true that uh, when two cultures meet, the advanced culture tends to degrade the uh, the lesser culture, and I I don't know if that would happen. But I think it, uh, if we are the weaker culture, we could we could lose in the exchange. Oh, definitely. But we're looking at it as human beings and yeah. what we would do down here. Right. Uh, aliens might have a completely different mindset of what cultures are and how to interact with each other and how to you know be friendly with each other. They're completely different to us. Maybe we're kept in this in this bubble here on Earth and not and not and and sheltered from the rest of the. Uh, the the life that is out there because of the way we are and because of the fact that we're a war race that are that are constantly in fights with each other imagine we can't get along with ourselves here on this planet do you think we're going to go out in space and get along with aliens if we meet them probably not we're going to probably bomb the hell out of them in fact independence day 2 that just recently came out yeah. um has a very interesting um thing that happens in the movie which makes perfect sense there's a plot twist uh that happens in the movie which i don't want to give too wait, much wait. away spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert uh but in the movie of course you you know the bad aliens came the first time around in 96 they blew stuff up now the premise is they're back for more and they're here to, to take the planet but in the movie, there is also a good race of aliens that come to Earth to save humanity from these beings because they get our they, they got the same distress signal that was sent out by the the original aliens, and they came out here to protect us. And in our ignorance, we shot them down and destroyed them. Our protectors. Yep, our fault. We did it. And we would do that. That's something that we would definitely do. Like Roswell, New Mexico, and the Aztec ship. Maybe we did shoot these guys down, and they were here in, on peaceful manners. Look, Could if be. if aliens are coming here from God knows where, chances are they're scientists in nature, and they're here, you know, based on scientific, you know, reasoning. And a lot of them are probably just here to study us. Uh, maybe they're just here, you know, to conduct experiments and tests because they want to advance their science. Who the heck knows? We do that in. Africa. We go there and we learn about the land. We learn about the animals. We tag them. We release them back into the wild. Uh -huh. Same scenario as the snake you said earlier. That's something we do. So aliens could easily be doing that, but in a, in, in their own way, they're peaceful beings, and we would shoot them out out of the sky because we're just afraid of the, what's different than us. And I think that is very plausible. The movie may not be the greatest movie ever, but it really nailed that part of it because that is so, mm -hmm. that is so human to do that. And that's something that we would definitely do. Yes, I I see that all the time. I people uh, afraid of spiders. They'll step on a spider. Yeah, well, well, you I can't blame them on that one. The spiders are. Crazy. Uh, yeah. But the the Black fear reaction by me, bam! We'll step right on that puppy too. Uh, the the fear reaction is very common to to humans, and I'm I'm telling you that if we are confronted with an alien race. Um, in the middle of the night in the, on a lonely highway, fear is going to be the first emotion we feel. And I know you say that, hey, 
beam me up, Scotty. I'm ready to ready to talk to you guys. But I think that your first human reaction would be fear. Mm, it depends on the person. Me, not no, not so much. I've seen uh, enough of uh, enough really weird and evil things in my life uh, mm. to not be afraid of aliens. I saw something a couple months ago that devastated my life to the point that nothing scares me anymore. Mm. And um, I wouldn't there be afraid of it. Like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of it to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I welcome it. I really do because at least it would it would answer an eternal question that I've had my whole life: Are we alone? We know we know we're not. I mean, yeah, we we know we're not, but that would be definitive. Us on proof. this conversation, yes, we know. Doesn't mean everybody out there knows. Oh no, right, no, right. Uh, very definitely not. I I think that there's still a sizable percentage of the American public that is not sure that there is such a thing as other people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some of them don't even believe in people, period. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and a lot of this goes back to, uh, a lot of this fearing of uh, the unknown goes, and what we would think would happen, it goes back to the War of the World broadcast uh, by Orson Welles. Yes. Uh, where people ran to the streets with guns thinking the aliens were really coming down. And the funny thing about that is before the broadcast, they say this is a dramatization, this is not real. Yet people believed it to be real. And that I think that has guided government policy about this subject more than we know. The 1938 yep. broadcast is what this they believe this is what will happen. If we told the truth, the people would be running in the streets and uh, – Chaos would ensue. Uh, I don't think it would. I don't think that's that's what would happen. But I also am going to tell you that the the government, the United States government, the Russian government, the Brazilian government, they will never admit what they know. We will never be told the truth. Oh, and, no. And that's just the way it is. So you don't think disclosure, as Stephen Bassett is uh fighting so hard for you don't know. think that's going to happen no i i just don't think it ever will happen i do think that that a lot of in, good information has leaked out on purpose to try and and sort of leaven the bread so to speak so that people are aware of certain factual items even though mm. the government discounts them and maybe this is the their way of using disinformation to make people a little more aware than they may have been in 1948. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Um, that was an amazing broadcast, though, wasn't it? The uh, War of the Worlds broadcast. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, if you guys heard the entire thing, yes. I mean, to to think that that single broadcast reached the audience that it did and made them react the way they did. It, it, there's no wonder why the conspiracy exists. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you know what? And I'll go even a step further. I don't even blame the government for keeping it a secret, because uh, back in the '40s and the '50s and the '60s, you know, the Cold War and everything that happened after that, um, you know, you would need to keep certain things like this secret, especially if you want to get a one leg up over your enemy, uh, like Cold Russia and Cuba, whatever you know our enemies were. Uh, you want to have that kind of advantage if it exists. So I don't really put it against the government for keeping it a secret. I'm with you, though. I don't think we're going to ever get full disclosure on anything. I think what we'll eventually get is they'll say, oh, we found life on uh, one of the moons on, on Saturn or on Mars. We found some primitive life form or something like that. And that will open the avenue to disclose life out there, but not what they've known for the last 60, 70 years. You know what yep. I mean? 
Right. I think that's how we're going to get sort of a disclosure, but not really. And I think a lot of that has to do more with politics more than anything else. A lot of people fear the fact that if this disclosure happens and people know everything the government has known, well, some heads might roll and some people might be thrown in prison for lying to the United States people for so long. I mean, some people <laughs> might get offended to the point that they want to sue the government. Uh, I mean, it could really destroy sure. the government from within. And it's it, it's silly to think about because in their own way, they had a right and a reason to do the, the whole uh, embargo, truth embargo, as Stephen Bassett calls it, uh, with ufology, because of the simple fact that we were entering a very turbulent time in our society with uh, all these enemies that we had. We had just come off of the German uh, Nazi war in uh, World War II, and we're entering a Cold War with Russia. I mean, there were so many things happening politically that disclosing something like this was probably not in our best interest at the time. Probably wasn't. So, again, I don't blame the government for it. Now, I do think we're ready to be told what's out there and i think that like i said that eventually will come to pass and i think we will get uh more of a disclosure a uh, soft disclosure as i like to call it uh, it won't yeah. be full disclosure but it sure. will be a soft disclosure where they'll tell us yeah we found a little primitive animal like a rat or something on mars or some kind of a snake that's mm. rattling on mars and eventually that'll grow into like a little furry being on another planet and you know it will be dumb animal life that they'll find first before one day maybe a hundred years from now they say oh yeah we finally found a being that is intelligent <laughs> <laughs> that may be, but I think most of the disclosure is going to come from people like you and Definitely. the yep. so-called UFO community, the mm-hmm. books that are written, and gradually people will uh, go beyond what the government is willing to admit, and the government will become irrelevant in this field. People say, well, we know all this. Uh, yeah, I would true. think that that's probably what's going to happen. But this is why we think that uh, that our particular book – and some a number of other good books talking about crash and recovery uh, shows these craft, these bodies picked up. We know they're real. And once you establish that reality in the reader, then the reader has opened up a, a brand new vista of possibilities in mm-hmm. their own minds. And we hope that's what happens. I completely agree. Frank, we're almost out of time, but uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of time here to uh, you know, plug where you can get the books, uh, you know, give your website out so people can follow your work, because uh, you're a very fascinating human being, my friend, and I definitely want people to, uh, to go ahead and uh, seek your work out. Well, I can't believe the time's gone so fast. You um, know? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think that I would hope that people would buy the Aztec UFO incident, read it, and let us know what you think about it. Uh, just the Aztec incident.com is a place you can get an autographed copy. You can buy it through my website, frankthayer.net. I'll sign a copy and send it out to you. And my frankthayer.net uh, website also has all my other stuff, my uh, military collecting, my reptiles, my academic career, my rockabilly music, and and the Aztec incident and my horror fiction. So I've got a an omnibus site nice. uh, showing uh, all my interests or many of my interests. And we'd like to hear from people. Of course, the book's available in bookstores and in Amazon. But if, if you want if you want to get an autographed copy, uh, let us know. Again, AzteCincident.com or FrankThayer.net, and we'll be happy to to get those copies out to you. 
Uh, we're excited about this. We've been, we're not just believers. We, we know that what we have written is real. And when you read the book, you'll know it's real too. I'm going to take you up on that offer. I'm going to order one of the autographed copies. I, I, I want to put that in my book collection. In fact, we have a book club here on Skywatchers Radio, and uh, we're going to add your books to the book club with your permission so they can, they can uh, just click on the links and go directly to uh, Amazon or someplace that they can purchase the Fantastic. book. Fantastic. So we, we're going to do that for you because I, I do truly believe that your work and uh, work like yours writing these books uh, that deal with these real events uh, that happened, I do believe these things happened in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Uh, I think this is part of the disclosure movement that we are going to give ourselves, like you said, we are the disclosure movement. Uh, the government is not going to tell you anything right now. We have to tell ourselves and inform the rest of the planet with shows like this and books like yours. Uh, so I, I will definitely put that on the website. And thank you so much for, for taking your time out uh, of your busy schedule to be here with us. I really, truly appreciate your time with us. It's yeah. definitely great talking with you. Absolutely. Yep. Guys, uh, that is the great Frank Thayer, and uh, get the book. Buy all the books. Uh, you know, go to his website, buy the books, get them autographed. I mean, uh, by God, man, it's uh, you know, it's an interesting uh, subject. It's an amazing uh, scenario, if true, and I believe that this is true. I do think these crashes happen. So uh, go out, get the books, read them, and uh, give us your feedback on Skywatchers Radio. We would love to hear you know from some of the audience members who have read the books, who are going to read the books in the near future. Info at skywatchersradio.com uh, is the email address. You can email us your take. Frank, we have to have you back on soon, man. You're just a fascinating human. Being. We've had a good time, and I look forward to talking to you guys sometime soon. You're awesome, sir. And uh, guys, stick around for uh, more radio here on uh, PSN Radio. We're going to be back next week with another fascinating show about ufology, and hopefully it'll be as good as this uh, show tonight here with Frank. Probably won't be, because this was just an, an amazing hour and a half with Frank. It really was. I, I Definitely it was. Not only did I love the hour and a half, Frank, it flew by, and you know what that means. When time flies by, that means you had a great time. Right, Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, with that, guys, I'm going to bid everybody adieu. I'm going to bid you good night, farewell, and uh, hopefully uh, we will be back next week live without any issues, without any problems. And even the other guy over here will be with us. Uh, isn't that right, other guy? Gonna be with yep, us? I'm going to be here. Good man, good man. Remember, this is New Times here on Skywatchers Radio, Tuesday nights, 11 p.m. Eastern till 1 in the morning. From now on, we're back at our own original time, so please stick around next week uh, when we're back on this time slot, and hopefully we keep entertaining you guys. So till then, please keep your eyes on the skies and stay safe. By all means, stay safe from whatever is out there. Good night, everybody. Take care. Good night. Good night.